Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hearing. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up and it going. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. From the mesmerized studio in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Tate and the commissioner, Mark Rich. Well, hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome to episode 45 of Believe in Atlanta Sports. I'm your host, Robert Taylor, and with me as always, the world traveler, the trendsetter, the jet setter, the high-flying, limo-flying, freewheeling, heart-stealing, the commissioner, Mr. Mark Rich. Hello. Now, we're coming to you on a sunny Sunday afternoon this time. Uh, You know, normally we get in here on a Friday night, but a couple of things happened. The commish went down to the bins to check it out. He had to had to, it's kind of like a, kind of scoping out the scene before the season. He he was doing reconnaissance mission, kind of seeing uh you know testing the waters and uh, checking the weather down there. And I got voluntold I was going to make chicken wings for a two year old birthday party, which I just left earlier this afternoon, which is why I'm wearing flamingo shorts. It was an animal themed. It was a zoo themed party, but the wings were good. Everyone turned two, and uh, that's my first question of the show: is is how was Friday night? How was the energy? Was it a bigger crowd than normal? I know you liked uh, what you saw in Bijan and Desmond and the boys, and we're going to talk about that as well. But just walk us through the second pregame of the season, and the last one is this coming Thursday against the Steelers, and then you're going to be on with Will McFadden, giving a little preview. The preseason will be done. We'll be looking at the first game of the season. You're going to be on with Will, but uh, yeah, Friday night recap. One, two, three, go. Well, first and foremost, uh, traffic was easy getting down there, so just that brightened my entire day. Uh, I thought that was going to be a mess getting down there with the Braves playing and everything. So 
Um, that was cool. Got down there, parked in the normal same place. It's less busy, obviously, because of when it is and what it is. But uh, there were still plenty of people out. Lots of Bengals fans, uh, which is to be expected. Um, if you only get to see your team in town once a year, even if it's in the preseason, you show up and show out. Um, but the vibe was great. Uh, walking into the bins, just about, man, it just feels good. I know they had so much going on um, uh, with Beyonce and all, and all the stuff that they've been doing in there. Um, but it was set up and ready to go for football, and I, it was just cool. I got down there early, much earlier than normal. I'm no, we're normally walking in within like minutes of kickoff just because there's so much to do with the tailgate and, and getting that all squared away before we go into the game. Um, that I got down there early, parked, walked in, got in probably 30 minutes early, got to walk around, grab some food, and just check stuff out, see if everything, anything changed, anything new. Um, we got some new seats this year that I, I didn't go by because we're saving that for for the regular season, so I just sat in some open seats, but just hung out, and uh, it was cool, man. I, sitting down and, and watching all the all the pregame festivities, I guess, is something that we we always miss out on. So even though there's not a lot going on for the the preseason, it, it just I don't know. It was a it felt good to sit in there and just listen to people talk and uh, everybody's talking about what they think is going on this season. There's a lot of uh, a lot of positive energy in the air uh, for these Falcons fans, and you know I'm, we like that. Oh yeah, and I I mean you. I've heard a lot of a lot of negative energy over probably the last four or five years. So the 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 change there was just a uh, breath of fresh air, if you will. Yeah, it was just it, it was different. It, a lot. I I talk a lot. I like to talk a lot, and I just found myself sitting there listening just to everybody talk and hearing what they they had to say, and you know, occasionally interject some some stuff because I can't keep my mouth closed for that long. But uh, it was really really cool. Uh, watching them come out, that first drive is is why I wanted to be there early. I didn't want to miss it because um, they, Arthur Smith, that we we've already heard, and he said specifically that we're not going to see a lot this preseason. We weren't sure how many uh, how many reps he was trying to get for Desmond Ritter uh, going into this game. So you know you kind of want to be out there for the first drive. So I got to watch the entire first drive, and it. It, it was great. It was great. The drive, there's, it's crazy. Um, the things that happened in that first drive and how it ended, we had, there were two two penalties. There were a lot of penalties. This is also preseason for yeah. Now's the time to get them out. But it's all. It seemed like it was also the preseason for the refs because they were very, very, very trigger happy. Uh, and not to say that they weren't making the right calls, but there were flags going everywhere. Hey, the refs got to—they got to make sure they get their TV time. You know, the refs want their TV time. And I promise you, they got it. I, I saw—I saw more—I saw more of the same refs than I did of the starters for the Falcons. I promise you that. Um, but Chris Lindstrom gets a couple of penalties. I think he had two all last year, um, and then it, it ends in a pick that uh, could have been pass interference. But maybe the ball was tipped early, so the contact was okay. Either way, the the interception itself, I I'm not really gonna look at Desmond Ritter as if Desmond Ritter made a mistake on that play. It went off the went off the receiver straight up into the air. 
I I believe it was Scotty Miller. I can't promise you that. I was just really upset because when the ball went in the air, I saw him turn. I, I saw him turn with his hands in the air, like, "Where's the call?" As I'm watching the ball go up in the air, and then drop back down for an interception. That's one thing I think a lot of people don't understand is how many interceptions get pinned on quarterbacks that probably aren't their fault. It happened. I mean, I. I you could, if you don't hit your route right, you know, hey, hey, you were supposed to go up 10 and peel out, not cut left, you know, whatever. A lot of times quarterback puts the ball where it's supposed to be, but the guy on the other end isn't there. Or if you muff the catch and it goes off your shoulder, yeah. you know, it's <clears throat> it's not the quarterback's fault. And, again, like I, I'm, we know this is going to happen. It's part of the game. But it's like an error in baseball. Yeah, They give you an error, the run doesn't get charged to the pitcher. Eh, maybe that, Maybe that should be. Uh, looked at, but I I don't think it. Hopefully, hopefully that's not what they're focusing on. Whether you get charged for it or not, it's still shitty. Yeah. We got a pick to end that play instead of a touchdown. The the play before, the play before that would have been an easy six with him rolling out. And I, honestly, it was funny because it looked like it looked like he was very confused what to do because he had a wide open lane to the end zone, and then he also had Bijan right to his left. So like right before he got to the line of scrimmage, he flicks it out to Bijan, but they blew the play dead. But it was it was kind of funny. He could have very easily run the ball in, but he stopped and turned and threw it to try to get Bijan some shine in the preseason, which to me meant something. And I really, really, really enjoyed watching that. Um, Bijan, holy shit, looks very, very comfortable. As does Des. They both look very comfortable in their roles. I watch Kyle Pitts reach behind him to catch a football. That's Super pleasant to see. Um, he threw the Des before the pick was seven for eight, mm-hmm. seven for eight for eighty yards. Now, what we know about Arthur Smith's offense so far is it, it is very run heavy. Um, oh yeah. And again, he you're not going to see a lot of what he's going to give you during the regular season. But what what you did get to see was them making sure Des got some reps, got some different looks, some different plays, some different routes. Um, uh, through a through an interesting back shoulder uh to to Drake London makes an acrobatic catch like a lot of the things that you you hope and want to see throughout the season you got to see on that first drive like it, it had me amped up to the point to where at halftime at halftime I left to go home cuz I just didn't want to I didn't want to mess with any of the traffic yeah. going back but man that first drive fantastic they were watching the defense um, the defense is going to gel together. It was a lot, a lot of personnel changes out there, so you got to see a little bit of everybody. I, I'm excited. I'm excited by the defense as well. Um, I'm not going to lie to you; it just looks different. They feel like it. They feel better. Last year, it looked a lot of times like we were really out of place, and maybe confused, and I didn't get that feeling at all. Again, I know it's preseason, but. You know, you get a little tiny glimpse into what is coming our way. And Heineke, as a backup, I, I'm not a gunslinger. He's got that he's got that Brett Favre-esque gunslinger. He is wearing number four. I'm just saying. He, uh, he, he made a couple of throws, that, a couple of questionable throws. Uh, but for the most part, man, I think we have one hell of of a backup quarterback and he's not old. So it's not like, not like we have aging Matt Schaub to come in to 
backup aging Matt Ryan. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not that situation anymore. Funny story, too. <clears throat> uh, at one point, uh, Heineke tucked it and ran for like eight yards, and some dude two rows behind me goes, look at that. If that was Matt Ryan, he'd have tripped over his shoelace and fell on his face. And I turned around, and I, I man, I was so, it was close. It was very yeah. close. <clears throat> He's one of those. <coughs> and we have to remember, as much as, uh, well, I've already admitted they live rent-free in my head, and I'm trying to uh, to mitigate that. But those fans are out there. We know they're out there. They're going to be around, and what are you going to do? But here's here's one, one of my concerns that I have going into the season, and I don't know if it's a big concern. It's just something I thought of the other night, is everybody knows that Arthur is a, is a run-heavy guy. He's a, he's a run-first uh, coach almost, you could say. I'm just worried, Willie, because of the talent he has or because of his commitment to it, is it possible he gets a little too married to that run game to where it becomes detrimental to the Falcons? You know, some some guy, and I'm not saying Arthur is this guy, but some guys, they just get in their head that, hey, this works, and I'm sticking with this, come hell or high water. You know, you know those coaches that you just keep running and keep running. It's like, whoa. Well, you got you know. to look, look, at, look at what he's been working with. So the, the first year, the first year wasn't great. At all, um, you bring in Kyle Pitts, uh, and it's just not a, it's just not a good year. You have you have Matt Ryan on his way out. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a super run heavy um, year that year. I pretty balanced that year, but then you come back this past year, and you don't have a choice. No, you're 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 run heavy because you have to be. Um, and you have Mariota. We we find out very early in the season that Mariota and throwing the ball don't go hand in hand. Um, so it turns us into a predominantly running team. I'm not telling you that we're going to get 4,000 yards out of Desmond Ritter this year. Um, but what I what I will tell you is that if he is married to the run game. The run game and the run game is as successful, if not more successful, than it was last year. Um, we're going to be fine. It's those plays that we had last year where we needed to throw the ball and couldn't get it where it needed to go. I think is a lot of the difference, and that and the decision making uh, for Marcus Mariota was a lot of the difference in some of those one score games, and I and the other difference was on the defensive side of the ball. We couldn't get any stops at the end of the game. So I think I think we've improved in both of those places. So I I know your question was do you think he'll be married to the run game? I if he is it's going to be kind of cool because it's it's Bijan and Algier um and and it could be great, but all I think that will do is open up the open up the passing game and open up the playbook. He might be married early. He might want to he might want to work it early to to get Bijan going and and to see where we are. Uh, but man, I don't I don't think it's gonna be I don't think he's gonna be just stuck on one or the other. I think we have options. Oh, Atlanta has tons of options, and we one hundred percent, one hundred and ten percent improved on defense. And I'll just give you my little theory. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying he didn't give his all when he was here. But I'm not sold because the defensive coordinator position usually needs to be a high-energy guy, in my opinion. 
you know, very just jazzed up, almost almost like a character. The thing about how many great defensive coordinators have just kind of been characters in, in the league. And Dean Pease was a guy that got asked to come out of retirement. He had already walked away from the game, was already sitting at home on his lake house, you know, or wherever, being an old retired guy. And then he comes back. I don't know why he came back. Did he do it as a favor to Arthur Smith because they knew each other? Did he see something here? You know, something enticed him to come back. But then the season's over, and he goes right back into retirement. Again, not saying the guy wasn't a good coach. You just got to question how much did he put into it? How much was he really here to to implement a system and get guys fired up? And, and, and you know, I don't think he was. We talked about it before, too. Uh, I thought he was just a, a placeholder. Yeah. Just c- please come coach the defense for a year. Get these guys. You're you're also a legend. You're yeah, a legend, yeah, yeah. so you can impart wisdom on these guys while we're in the middle of whatever the hell we're in the middle of. And then then the next year, you you go get somebody young and hungry. Exactly. Just, and and man, I, I'm telling you, I I know it's hard to get a good idea of what you'll see in the regular season based on your preseason because you don't get to see multiple series. You don't get to see these guys get punched in the mouth and see how they respond to it. You don't get to see all that fun stuff that's coming up in three weeks, and that is what I can't wait for. That's what I want to see because I think these guys, once they gel in real game situations, oh, I think yeah. it's going to be tough. And, I, man, I've, I'm Michael Walker gets cut. I was surprised by that. I was really, when I saw that, because uh, for those of you out there listening to us, we thank you. But, uh, you know, I've kind of been ramping up my uh, preparation some more and being a little more active on the on the socials and all that. So I'm sitting at home and I'm like, you know what? I normally do this. Why don't I go and do some some reading and some research? And when I saw that in the Falcons app, I was like, damn, he was good. He started good for us last year. Yeah, and a lot of games, had a lot of tackles. Yeah. So that was uh, – you know, but hey, in 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 Arthur and Terry, we trust until they prove us wrong. Because again, this is almost like you know the first year they really have got their brand of football implemented here, their team, their guys. And and again, look, I'm not I'm not I don't want anybody to make any mistake. I'm not getting down on Dean Pease. I'm just saying, just like you said, how much did he really bring to the table? Yes, yes, of course. He's a great coach. He's a wise coach. You know, he's a defensive guru. Those Baltimore defenses, you know, he was at the helm of. So I'm not taking it away from him or his career, but a guy who's in his 70s and, and was retired and kind of comes back in and then leaves after the season, like I'm much more happy with a I think he's in his early 40s. Still pretty, you know, he's fired up. He's competitive. I don't care if you're the most uber competitive person ever. How competitive are you going to be in your 70s? You know, unless sure. you're Nick Saban. But I don't even think Nick Saban is 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 as fiery a competitor as he used to be. Now his friends and family may say otherwise. They'd be like, "Shut up, you don't know him." But again, just a guy. When you got a guy that's, I mean, I can imagine like now if you asked me if you said, "Hey, Robert, I got a whole brand new uh, uh, crew at, at the restaurant. Could you, could you come back and just you know work in the kitchen for a little bit?" You're not getting. You're not getting the best version of me you've ever gotten. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I've I've been out of the you know culinary world. I, I I don't miss it. I like cooking at home, but to go back, I'd probably be like, man, it's like, 
Yeah, yeah I'll work with these guys some. It's, yeah, I'll work with them. And I would show them some cool stuff and, and give them some skills and some knowledge maybe, but it, they're and, not getting the and best. The, the money would have to be there, right? The yeah, money would so. have to be there to pull you out of retirement. <laughs> so, it, that I, I mean, but that's a that's a very fair point. That's a valid comparison too is that it, even though you know exactly what's going on, you know how to do it and whatever, but you you've you've pushed your passion for it possibly to the side Mm -hmm. and not to say that's the same for dean pease i'm not going to say he doesn't have any passion for football anymore but i I can guarantee you it's not the same passion for football exactly it's not the same level of passion for football and honestly you want that on the defensive side of the ball you want i want my defensive coordinator to be a just have a touch of psycho in him i want him to headbutt people with helmets on on their way off the field I, i mean that's that's great keep that energy the entire time i'm just i i'm very i'm very anxious to see this product like i i feel like in my bones that even though the panthers have themselves a good defense i think we're gonna beat them up i have this just like weird gut feeling that we are going to beat up on the panthers well and for those of you that don't know, for those of you that haven't followed, like we said, next week, last preseason game, but Sunday, September 10th, 1 p.m., toe meets leather. It's Falcons. It's Panthers. That's a, that's the first home game, right? We're starting the season at home. Is that right? So I'm going to be down there games. with my Pitts jersey. I'm excited. I can't wait to see the energy on that uh, on that game day and just see this team when it counts for real, because you know me, I don't care about preseason or practices or anything. I, they could look horrible. They can go 0-3 and look like the laughingstocks in the NFL in practice. I don't care. Throw a million picks, you know, uh, missing a million assignments, you know, miss a block, I don't care. Now's the time to make all the mistakes and watch the film and get it right. But more importantly, I'm just ready to see this legendary tailgate that I've heard about for so long, and I got a dose of Falcons wings, and I'm I'm thinking about approaching Mr. Sellers maybe mid-season because uh, I, I made a brine the other night. And, and as I was making it, I was like, we could make one wing to rule them all. So maybe, maybe, I, could, maybe I could coax him into the, maybe, maybe trying some brine wings with his, with, his, with his seasoning. Probably not. Mark's already over here shaking his head. He's like, nope, man, we're not, we're not messing with Hasn't set a single foot in the tailgate. Already trying to mix it up. No, I don't want to mix it up. I don't want to mix it up. I, we can make a small batch. I was just thinking it, it could be like a mega wing. It's already one of the best wings I've ever tried in my entire life. But it could be the, what if it had the potential to be the wing to end all wings? The grand champion wing recipe of all time. I feel like it's too ever evolving. Not to not to <laughs> knock your brine or the the tailgate rub, but I think the wing game is just ever evolving, and and that would come along and people would love that, and then somebody would come up with something new, and it'll keep going. Maybe I don't know, man. They could eat it and be like, well, we're done. Nobody can, you know. Maybe they'd just be like, yeah, this is it. This is the one wing. And Sorry. Then, and then Wagyu wings come out. <laughs> Wagyu, Wagyu chicken. <laughs> yep. And, and then we have to start all over. But, yeah, I'm, I'm – then we got the Green Bay Packers after that. Maybe, just maybe, we can get our friend Shivani down there for that game to hang out and because uh, he's a Packers fan and we can try to uh, work out the schedule when we're going to get him on the show because, hey, what is it, about two weeks now. 
Actually, that Saturday is Georgia UT Martin, mm-hmm. and then we got the Birds. No, yeah. I lied. That's that's game two. Yeah. Uh, net, not this Saturday, but next Saturday is the first Georgia game. So that's like September 1st. Then on the 9th or the 10th. Okay, so I, I'm terrible at this. I've just ruined the whole thing. I was going to get everybody excited for nothing, thinking there was a Georgia game Saturday and a Falcons game Sunday. And there will be eventually. But just but not until the 9th. I just 10. mucked all that up. I mucked all that up. So first weekend in September, we have Georgia UT Martin. Then the following Sunday, we have Birds Panthers in Atlanta. And then we got the Packers game. And I'm just so excited to finally be off on a Sunday. To not have to – no school, no work, no nothing. I'm just like a regular Joe Schmo American now. Nothing to do on a Sunday but tune in and watch the Falcons. Watch hours. And go to a tailgate uh, with some sunshine and, and people and fans and good food. And, man, I, I am pumped. I am pumped. We're going to be down there shilling our, our little podcast here. Uh, stop by and see us. You guys know where we're at if you've been listening. We're right underneath the sign and – uh you know, maybe we'll do a live show. Maybe we'll get Tim and Jared to, to let us bring the gear out, and we'll do like a quick half hour or something. We don't know. We got a whole big season to, to figure it out. But, man, I'm telling you, you heard the commish, man. The energy in the stadium was great. They looked good in, in, you know, in, in the product that you're going to see on Sundays, those first couple series. The backups look nice. It's just a different vibe all around. I already said 11-6, and six, we make the playoffs. Hopefully they exceed my expectations. Who really knows? I, I definitely thought Bijan was going to be a, a impact player, a, a game breaker, like a play now guy. It sure seems like that's going to be the case. I wonder, do you see him come out first series, like first play of the game? Or are they going to try him out? Or, or I just wonder what that first setup's going to look like. Just the first snap of the year. What are they what, over or under? What are they gonna, is it going to be a pass or a run? First play of the year for fun. Are we gonna, are, is he going to hand it off to Bijan? He's going to do some crazy thing and and score a touchdown and, and kick off his career in Atlanta. Is it going to be some kind of wildness like that? I I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised to get the crowd amped. I mean, even him just touching the ball would, would get everybody jacked up. But if he breaks one or or does something insane on his first play as a Falcon, then I, man, what a what a great catalyst for a good era. What a good catalyst for a great season. And, uh, I mean, there you have it, folks. We got one more game against the Steelers. Uh, I did post a pretty good article. You can go find it on our page or you can go find it in the Falcons app. But it's a really good article about Troy Anderson. I I enjoyed that read. And uh, I firmly believe he's going to be one of the next great, you know, when you talk about defensive players in Falcons history, I think this kid's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to be among – the all-time Falcons, I think he's uh, primed this year to have kind of a breakout year with uh, you know some of these other supporting casts. And even Calais Campbell has come out and said he thinks this defense could be really special. He says we got something brewing down here in Atlanta, and I couldn't be more excited. Campbell's, couldn't be more. I just found out yesterday he's six foot eight. Yeah, he's a big old boy. He's a monster. I wouldn't want that grocery bill. Um, no. But yeah, so you you look at some veterans like Campbell. Young guy like Troy Anderson, I think it's a perfect blend of kind of veterans and young, fiery guys that are going to feed off of each other. But I don't know. I just feel like Troy Anderson's got it. I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to talk about for a very long time in Atlanta and just in the NFL. I think he's going to be a very big player for us this year. I think he's going to have kind of a a coming-out party. 
But, man, just make sure you tune in, get down to the game. I don't care what you do. Just make sure that first game of the season in any game, but especially for the first game of the season. Let's come out. Let's represent them properly. Let's sell that place out. Let's fill it up. Let's fill up the tailgate. Let's fill up the bars and restaurants around the stadium, and let's kick off this season right on a positive note with a win over Carolina. And we'll just keep transitioning into the world of, of uh, college football. And, and officially, it is official as of yesterday, the Carson Beck era has begun in Athens, Georgia. Kirby Smart doesn't waste any time, you know, before he's kind of gotten down to even the morning of the first game of the season before he's pulled the trigger. But he goes ahead and says it now. Carson Beck is officially the starter, the new field general for the Georgia Bulldogs. And, and Kirby said pretty much that it just breaks down to this repetition. He's just gotten the most reps with the team, and he's been more involved with the offense. He's just been that guy behind Stetson, and, and he's our guy. So whatever you think about that, I mean, he's looked good when he has gotten his hands on the ball in a game. But uh, Carson Beck's our guy, and he's going to lead our march to try to do a three-peat. But uh, – the warning that I've heard is that all preseason SEC media days and anywhere else you go, Nick Saban is smiling and he's laughing and he's happy, and they say that's dangerous. Look out. He hadn't been very happy the last couple of seasons, but he's, they say Nick is loose and feeling good this year, and Bama's most likely. And I, you know what? They're most likely our biggest challenger. I say bring it on. Let's do it again. Let's keep this rivalry going. Ain't no more shaking in the boots. Yeah, no, that monkey's gone off our back. That monkey is gone. And, uh, you know, the, the haters are out there. The boo birds are out there. They're, they're trying to take the shine away from Georgia. They're trying to say for whatever reason that we were a fluke or there's no way we can do it a third time. And, hey, hey, new OC, new QB, of course, a lot of questions to be answered. But I, what I do know is this. Our four most prolific tacklers from last season, they're all wearing red and black again this year. They're all back, and they got another year under their belt, a little more seasoning. So, hey, man, I like our chances. Everybody loves how the schedule lines up, but not, not a lot. Now, here's the thing. Everybody says it's a cupcake schedule. That's a dangerous thing to keep throwing out there, especially with young kids. Oh, a cupcake schedule. Oh, we're so good. We're back-to-back champions. Ooh, that rat poison can get in there real quick and spread like wildfire. So let's not pretend, and Kirby says it every week. I don't care if it's UT Martin, Tennessee, whoever. Every year, every Saturday, you're playing a college football team. The best high school talent around, and I don't care what school you go to, if you're going to Georgia or you go to Georgia Southern or you go to you know UAB Birmingham, they're still talented players, and they still have talented coaches. And at any time, a team like that, and then we can always go back to the old standby, App State, Michigan. Any team can jump up and bite you in the ass if you're not dialed in, focused, and ready. Can we can we go back to Georgia Southern Florida? Sure. I, absolutely. Love, I like that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, you know, and, and, and like Kirby said, I know we're, we're repeating ourselves, but it bears repeating. He said, come play it. Auburn, even though they're not, you know, uh, in, in the hunt for a national title, still a very good very well-coached football team. Now, they got the first year under Hugh Freeze, so we'll see what happens with that. Florida, I think, is going to uh, take a step back. And the only thing I wonder about Florida is how poorly uh, Anthony Richardson had to have been mishandled down there. Because 
he's the Colts starter. He had that great combine, but now even in training camp, they're saying he is this freakishly good, ahead of the curve, amazing thing. And I'm like, okay, why couldn't you get this type of production out of him at Florida? Where was this amazing? Because he was very streaky at Florida. He would look amazing one series, and the next series he looked like a freshman out there going, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I saw a lot of times where he'd ha- he'd, he's looking around with his hands turned up. And anytime you see a quarterback with his hands turned up, palms to the sky, looking around, that ain't good. <laughs> yeah. He's confused about something or wondering something, like what is happening. So, and But we're not a Florida uh, Gators podcast, but that's just a question I ask myself. This guy w- w- with this loaded with so much talent that apparently now is going to set the NFL world on fire – what happened down there? Well, if he does set the if he does set the NFL on fire, Florida fans should be very concerned. Yeah, I, I think Florida takes a step back this year, honestly, and it, it's to be expected. What is this Napier's second true season in Florida? Uh, I don't think he's got a lot of great talent. Again, if you're on a roster and on an SEC school, it's not to say that you don't have talent. I just don't know if he has SEC caliber quarterback talent. I don't. I don't think Florida has found their guy yet to no. lead them back to the promised land. I don't think he's in the building now, which means we're going to destroy you. God, I hope so. Yeah, I, again, and, and, and this Milton guy up in Knoxville, you know, it's a lot of talk, a lot of talk. And you know me, I always you know, say can, get some fingers in the dirt. He can throw the ball 400 yards. Yeah, uh, over that mountain like mm-hmm. Uncle Rico. Yep. So, again, he's got to actually play some games, you know, so – I think Tennessee is our is our toughest competition of the year, but do they come back like they were last year? They you know they don't have their uh, uh, starting quarterback. They lost some wide receivers. They lost some defensive players. There's a lot of pressure on them last year, and towards the end of the year, they folded a little bit. They folded a lot actually. South Carolina took them out behind the woodshed. So, I I think Georgia's road to the playoffs is pretty clear. Georgia's road to the SEC title game is pretty clear. It's just after that is where, you know, I, I think they get to, they finish in the four. But then you got to win one to get to Houston, then you got to win in Houston. Well, you got to think last year, too. We, I, I mean, there were a few games last year that had you scratching your head like, yeah. oh, shit, is this, is, are we good? yeah are we we as 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 advertised like what what do we have going on here and that's always a scary part about a uh quote-unquote weak schedule and and it's so funny to me the people that talk about the schedule and when i bring up the fact that oklahoma was on our schedule we had oklahoma scheduled in but because of them coming to the sec and Mm -hmm. blah 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 blah. now it's ball state instead of them week two and people are like oh you guys are gonna play oklahoma Yes, yes, we were. But either way, I, I mean, the way that it's split up, I mean, you still play your your SEC schedule. So you still get your South Carolina, your Auburn early in the year rather than late in the year now. Um, and then you, you actually end the year against what preseason is saying to be your two toughest opponents in Ole Miss and Tennessee. So how I'm feeling about it is it, – People are worried about the new guys. People are worried about Carson Beck, and is he ready to take over? Um, I will tell you that I read a stat that out of all the uh, 2020 uh, recruiting class quarterbacks, uh, 14 of them transferred, um, six of them stayed at their school. Of the six, three are in the NFL. Uh, Two have started games, and the only one that – 
has not started a game and was still with his original team is Carson Beck. So Carson Beck has been waiting for this moment. Oh, yeah. But, but again, not a lot of real in-game experience. And what I'm thinking that you see here, and I, I don't... I'm thinking you see a lot of Brock Vandegriff and Gunnar Stockton early this year. And the good news for us is that we're going to get that Ole Miss game. We're going to get that Tennessee game. Then we play Georgia Tech. But we're going to get all that right before the SEC championship game. So mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to just have to have to lollygag throughout the tail end of the season, Yeah, cap it off with Tech, and then go play the – the SEC championship game, if we win it all, um, but I'm 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 fine. I'm fine as constructed. I think it's actually going to help us out. It's going to help us get a couple of guys uh, that are banged up on defense back. It's gonna it's gonna set us up for a nice run into the playoff. Yeah, and I don't doubt Beck. I mean, he's he wouldn't be there if he didn't deserve to be there. But it's also been rumored that uh, you're going to see you know Stockton or Vandegrift sprinkled in because. Uh, Beck doesn't quite have the legs that Bennett had to kind of extend plays or take off running. We'll see. Anything can happen in football, man. It's just there's so much pressure, and maybe us as fans are putting the pressure on ourselves and on the program, and maybe they don't feel it as much. But to go do a three-peat, it's a lot, man. The ball's got to bounce your way. Injuries, you know, everything aside. you know, And, again, broken record. Kirby Smart says it all the time. There's hundreds of people behind this thing. So everybody's got to get up and do their part every day. But I, I just pulled something up here, and, I, and I'm going to try to find a few more, and maybe you can find a couple because this is what I want everyone to know. Everyone kind of has the same schedule to some degree or another. Now, Alabama kicks off the season with Middle Tennessee State unranked. Then they play number 11, Texas. Then they play unranked South Florida. Then they play number 22, Ole Miss. Now, will Ole Miss be higher or lower by then? I don't know. But some people would look at it and go, well, it's a 22-ranked team. So what? Then they play unranked Mississippi State. Now, if this is Georgia's schedule, they're already picking on us for playing unranked teams. Then they play number 23, A&M, who I think will fall out of the top 25. I don't think they're going to compete this year. Then you have unranked Arkansas. Then you got to go into Tennessee, who's uh, currently sitting at 12. Then you got LSU. Then unranked Kentucky, Chattanooga, unranked Auburn. I mean, what do you want? It's not, and again, people still feel that some reason playing a unranked Auburn isn't isn't that great. That an unranked Auburn isn't better than some of the. You're going to see an unranked Auburn beat some ranked teams, and a number twenty two Ole Miss is not a bad football team. No, it's uh, Georgia gets a lot of shit now too for. The, the East being weak, that's it. You know, we, we, don't catch, we don't catch the LSUs every year. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't have that, like, Alabama and, and, I mean, Auburn. Look at Auburn. Auburn gets the shit into the stick a lot. Mm-hmm. They, have to, they play us every year. We're, they get to see us. Then they get to see LSU, and they get to see Alabama. Like, think about that. Like, yeah. That sucks for them. But it, it just it's how that it's how that works out. We can't help we can't help our schedule is the way that it is. And, and listen to this. This one's this one's even more of a laugher, Big Ten fans. And I've been saying this for fucking ever. Mark knows it, and anybody that knows me knows it. Here's Ohio State's schedule. The vaunted Ohio State Buckeyes. 
this juggernaut of college football, this amazing, legendary, historic program. Here we go. First game of the season, unranked Indiana. And it's Indiana football. When have they ever been relevant? 1936? I don't know. Next game, Youngstown State. When have they ever been? Maybe in their, I think Youngstown is one uh, in their own uh, world of football, in their own uh, league, they've done well. After that, who do you think they play? Western Kentucky. There's three cupcakes right there. Keep count with me. That's three cupcakes. Then you play 13 Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not going to be good this year. They have a brand-new head coach, a brand-new OC. They're, they're kind of rebuilding. They lost out on some recruits. So, sorry. We'll they, see what happens when they play Navy in Dublin. So, I won't, so I'll, I, won't, I won't count. I'll, I'll give you Notre Dame. I won't count it. But then you have unranked Maryland. Then you have unranked Purdue. I'm going to go ahead and call that four. I won't even put Maryland in there because Maryland could slip up and beat you. They've, uh, they got Tua's little brother. So that's four games. Ohio State, okay. Uh, Penn State, sorry. I'll give you that one. Then you have number 19, Wisconsin. But then here we come. Unranked Rutgers, that's five. Unranked Michigan State, that's six. Unranked Minnesota, that's seven. So there's potentially nine fluff games on there, two that I'd even give you, and then Ohio State-Michigan at the end of the year. Seven with a potential nine give-me-a-break games. It, but that's, that's the problem. That, that's the problem is that everybody wants to project, you know, you want to tell us we have a week scheduled, probably because you got a week scheduled too. And, and I'm sorry, every now, every now and again, uh, Wisconsin's and, and Michigan State's, they, they have a, a better-than-average football team. But it, the meter doesn't move far enough to affect your, your season. Yeah. Like we're, we're talking about, I mean, nobody, nobody was talking about how Georgia's schedule was weak back when – Florida and Tennessee were yeah. gangsters back yeah. when back when all that was going on we weren't nobody was talking about that but now all of a sudden like we we can't get out of the schedule it exactly. is the schedule is the schedule and these cupcake games that everybody's talking about everybody's got them sprinkled on their schedule people mm-hmm. people bitch about sometimes ours get sprinkled in uh, towards the end of the season and and when they show up in our schedule and how we should we should play different games here and now now that Georgia Tech's not very relevant at all like that's a that's a cupcake at the end of our that's the, it's a rivalry game I'm sorry yeah. like it's it's like there's still some tradition in football. it's falling off but yeah but but you see what's happening like all that stuff like you, you you're mad about that but like that's a that's a big deal in the state of Georgia. I don't expect you guys in Ohio to give a shit or care, but like it's a big deal. And and we're not going to just stop that because you think our schedule should be harder. We're just going to beat you when we see you. I'm sorry yeah. we got to play easier games than you, but we're still better than you. So, here's another one. So, I've given you Georgia's schedule. I've given you uh, Bama's. I've given you Ohio State. I think that's the top 4. This one's the biggest laugher of them all. Have you seen this Michigan schedule? Mm, no. Well, I'm going to read it for you right now. They don't even play their first real game until November. Listen to this. First game of the season, East Carolina. Second game, UNLV. Third game, Bowling Green. Fifth game, Rutgers. Sixth game, Nebraska. Seventh game, Minnesota. Eighth game, Indiana. Ninth game, Michigan State. Tenth game, Purdue. Michigan's going to be 10-0, and by the way. 
Then you finally play Penn State. Then you get unranked Maryland. Then you get Ohio State. What a fucking joke. Don't fucking come down here to Athens and talk about our schedule if you haven't looked at your own. That's a joke. That's a joke schedule. If you're going to say ours is a joke, look at yours. Please tell me more about how UNLV is on the, on the upswing. Tell me more about how Rutgers is a tough program. Does Big Boy's son still play for UNLV? Uh, maybe. Who knows? But, you know, tell, tell me how Nebraska is going to come in there and give you a game. They're not. Come on, man. November 11th, that's when Michigan plays their first real football game of the year. November 11th, game 10, their 10th game. You get nine weeks of jerking off. Like that, that shit doesn't even bother me anymore. Like I, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, if you want to look back at, at the strength of schedule and, and that component in the, uh, in the BCS and like when that used to matter, like if you want that to matter now, like I, you you miss you miss that. Yeah, like it's it, it's still the same. Nobody's nobody's playing a drastically different schedule than anybody else. And guess what? You you see our schedule this year. Wait till you see it next year. You're yeah. not going to be able to touch it. We're going to be in the top ten hardest schedules next year. Yeah. Well, so it's not the schedules that bother me. I don't care because a schedule is 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 as a schedule is as a schedule is. It doesn't bother me. It's the people that open their mouths. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, have you looked at your schedule? Have you really looked at your schedule? There's a guy I talk with quite often who can't shut up about Michigan football, and I'm like, look at your schedule. You're talking shit about Georgia's schedule. You're actually carving out time in practice. Your team is carving out time in practice to beat Georgia. And, and look at your schedule. Ohio State fans, I'm sorry. Any Ohio State fan, any self-respecting Ohio State fan should tell you that, yeah, we have at least seven games every year that are just laughers. They're not competitive football games. Could those teams win? Of course, they can always win. There's always the outliers that we bring up of the, of the, the upsets. But year in and year out when your schedule's about the same, just shut up. Why are we still talking about schedules and strength of schedules when everybody's I just read off Bama's. Now, now they got number 11 Texas on there, and they got a couple – you know, they got to play LSU. But, hey, man, so but the, the West is better than the East right now. I don't know what else you wanted me to tell you. That's also weird, though, that they got to keep Texas on their schedule. Yeah, they get I, to keep Texas, but we don't get to keep Oklahoma. It's, it, it's very weird. I don't know why that is, what that is. Um, but since we were talking about Ohio State, do you see – have you seen a picture of Javon Bullard lately? No, but he's yoked. <laughs> he he added some he added some weight. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna be playing safety. He I can't wait to see him in yeah. Starks. Bring it, man. I am ready. I'm ready for Georgia football. Uh we gotta start making our plans. Uh I know I'm going to uh the South Carolina game. I was gonna go to Knoxville, but I can't now because I gotta go to better processing school to make hot sauce. And you know, sometimes uh, that takes uh, precedent over things. I can't leave Griffin, Georgia, at, on Friday at eight o'clock and be in Knoxville for. I, I guess I could. I just don't want to. So it looks like maybe Carolina and Ole Miss may be the only two games I get to go to. Uh, people keep asking me about Georgia, Florida, and I just don't know. I hate it so much down there. I just hate it so much. There's also Tech in Atlanta. I did mention to somebody the other night I'd like to see Tech over in Atlanta this year, so maybe we can get over to that game. But I, I'm definitely going to Athens for uh, Gamecocks, and it's pretty rare that you get uh, Ole Miss in Athens. That's a, that's always a good game I like to go to, and I'm going to try to twist your arm. 
because uh, I can see there's a spot at the Hojo with our name on it, and there's chicken wings right across the street at the Blind Pig for us, and a beer or two in between for me. But, man, it's coming. It's coming. Not this weekend, but next weekend, Georgia starts the march towards number three, and I just don't know. I want to feel good about it. I want to have that. I know Georgia, as a, as a program, has that swagger. And our friend Chris Giovanni has that swagger, but I don't have that swagger. I, I know Georgia's a very good football team. I know the path to get there is pretty easy uh, if you look at the schedule and the strength of schedule. But I just, I guess it's just a very intimidating number, the fact that it hasn't been done in 90 years. And I'm like, man, are we going to be the guys to do it after, after getting beat up on for so long by other fan bases and, and poked at and made fun of? And even now that what we've been able to put together – winning-wise in bowl appearances and all that in the last 25 years, and we go back-to-back and people are still trying to say we're new to the dance or we haven't been here. I just don't know, man. I I just – I think I'm going to be in Houston in January, but, it's man, it's just football so unpredictable with injuries and everything and, 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 you know, player performances and – Man, and, and like Kirby said, you know, they've got their motto and and it's hard to keep guys motivated – I, I don't see how it could be hard to keep this team motivated because this year's motivation is, hey, gentlemen, if you put in the work and the time and you execute, and, and again, execution is everything. Execution is everything in football. That's how you win. All the, all the players in college and in, in, in NFL and high school, they're all great players, but if you don't execute what you, your game plan, you're not good. So as long as Georgia can come out and execute, and I feel like they're masters of it, Kirby Smart's a master of communicating with young guys. You hear Herb Street talk about it all the time. But I think just being the first school in over 90 years to win three in a row is motivation enough for me. If I'm 19 years old lifting weights in Athens, I'm like, hell yeah, I want to be a part of that. Hell yeah, I want to make sure I stay on track with my, with my studies and, and you know, I'm, I'm disciplined and I stay out of trouble and I, and I don't give the media or, or the other teams any kind of bulletin board material and I just come in here and, and make it about football and, and do my business and do my part. Everything should take care of itself, but I'm. I think it's just because, if I had to say, it's just because it sounds too good to be true. Well, I mean, I still think there's that little bit of Atlanta, that little devil in me that's like, you know, the the universe, the universe has been kind to us, but it's not going to let us have three in a row. The well, college football gods are not going to let Georgia fans be able to carry around three in a row but hey well even after even after two in a row you still don't we you still have that mentality of like man we can't just win them all <laughs> you know what i mean like you you have you have to think that uh, you or i mean it's it's your body saving yourself from disappointment yeah like it we did get two so if we don't get three it'll be okay that's not how they feel about it they they want to get three. Oh, dude, I, I I'm telling you, I want it bad mm-hmm. I, I, because again, like I've said, if we get three in a row, no one, not our friend Shannon, no one, no one can talk to us anymore because we'll have done something that no team in the SEC has ever done ever. We'll be the only team ever in the history of the SEC to win back to back to back three peat. National championships. And the world will be a much safer place because I'm not drinking when it happens. Yeah. So, you know, that's all I'm saying. Uh, nobody will ever, 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 nobody can talk trash to us because I'll just hold up three. <laughs> Did your school, has your school won three in a row? Ever. Has Did they any, go, any school, any school ever done that? The Golden, oh, just us? The Golden Gophers back in the 30s. But then that 
brings into the modern era, which I truly believe. No one in the modern era, no one in today's game has ever done it, ever. And, that's, man, it's just a tall order. I mean, that is something. Uh, and, and, of course, if they do uh, win three in a row, the very next morning, Tuesday morning, everyone's going to be asking, is Kirby going to the NFL? Is Kirby going to leave Georgia? I don't What's know the answer next to that. For Kirby? And guess what? Kirby it's, don't know either. Oh, he, so here's the thing too that I that I dream about because of, of our forty year drought and just all those all those ten and twos and eleven and ones and oh god and oh you know all those games. I often sat around and dreamed and I said, man, what if what if through all this frustration and all this anger and all this heartbreak and despair and just all the abuse us Georgia fans have had to take at the hands of other fan bases? I was like, what if we really did rip off like four or five in a row? What if that happened? I, and, and, and again, that was me at night at 1130 at night watching something on Netflix and screwing around on my phone and just fantasizing. Oh, bro, and, and if they do, if they do three, I'm like, I can't we do four. Yeah. You I, know, I mean, listen, we, two, we did two and yeah. my mind is blown. And now just but you 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 look at it and you you sit yeah. back and you're like it's really feasible to do three yeah with it's the with really the talent that's stacked in here and everything it's just you know you're gonna and look with these michigan ohio state schedules how how tuned up are they gonna be well but playing so we, these playing these cupcakes I, I said this i said this multiple times uh the season that we won the first national championship uh, it just felt different like everything changed like a light switch flipped and you you aren't seeing what you used to see. Like, I feel like, me personally, when you look at, like, when you look at Ohio State and you look at this team and Ohio State's expectations, like, you, has that changed for you? Like, I don't feel like the, through the, like, the Urban and into Ryan Day, like, the, the transitions, I don't feel like it changed. And so, for us, it didn't even change when Kirby got here. But in 2021... Everything changed, and that that right there is what's got me like I my fear that fear is gone because I see with my own two eyes the change. I watched the change from one year to another, and it was so glaring and so apparent. Mm-hmm. I don't see that with other teams. If you do see that, I and I know I know I pay keen attention to Georgia. So I'm going to see it with Georgia, but I don't feel like that noise is out there. Like that noise was out there for Georgia throughout that year because everybody's like, holy shit. Like, look at what's happening. Like, this is not, this is not your dad's Georgia team. This is, this is something completely different. And I, where I am with them right now is I just, it's a, it's the business. It's a business. Now they come to work. They come to work and like the, the these people that are that are flipping commitments and listen, God bless your soul. Some of them, some of them are are going to are committing to schools in states where you can get nil money immediately. Mm-hmm. And if you're making family decisions at 18, 19 years old, good for you, good for you. Take care of your family. Like I, I don't, I don't. I'm not worried about any of that. If you're if you're flipping, you if you want to go to Auburn or if you want to go to Florida State or or if you want to flip to any one of these schools, it's okay. It's okay. I 
I'd much rather you make that decision now than like waste a scholarship that we can give to somebody else who buys in and jumps in with both feet, both hey, arms. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. This is how good Kirby Smart and his program are. This is how good that staff is. You guys know Big Jordan Davis, right? He wasn't much to talk about when he came to Georgia. I think he was a three-star. Yep. Lad McConkey wasn't on anybody's radar. Anybody's. And now this guy's primed himself to be a late first-round draft pick at wide receiver. Just saying. There's almost zero chance he's going to go in the first round, but I see what you're saying. You just, you know, you never know. You never know. I mean, Johnny Manziel went in the first round. Anybody can go in the first round, which, by the way, have you seen that yet? Not yet. Oh, my God. It's great. I, I it's won't. ridiculous, but great. Uh, but yeah. I want to watch that with a nice warm bowl of crack. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you another one. Good, good too. The, uh, the documentary about Balco has come out now, too. It's called The Hall of Shame. And uh, Victor Conti is in it the whole time. It's really great. It's on Netflix as well. But, yeah, that, so that, going back to that program, there have been guys leave Georgia and say when they got to their NFL programs that, that Georgia was more intense and it is because he learned from the master. Let's not kid each other. And I know we've said this before, but just to, to, to reiterate, Kirby was always a good coach. Nick Saban just showed him how to be an administrator, showed him how to be a CEO. He showed him what accountability, not that Kirby didn't already know, but just the importance of accountability. And he showed him, hey, man, you want, you want, to, have, you want to be a champion? Here's my blueprint. Yeah. Now, Kirby's tweaked it a little and done some things and kind of put his own stamp on it here at Georgia. But, yeah, Kirby Smart is – I would love to know how many hours of actual coaching Kirby does each week. And he probably does far more delegating and far more administrative and stuff than, than anything else. He, he – Kirby Smart's success, it's kind of like the restaurant business. Your success at Gustin's relies on your supporting staff. Kirby Smart's success at Georgia relies on his supporting staff. If he can't get his people to execute his vision and his plan and his dream, he ain't going nowhere. He can't do it alone. Just like in a restaurant, if you don't have, if your staff can't buy in and drink that Kool-Aid and everybody's drinking a big old frosty glass of Kirby Kool-Aid right now. Yep. So, and I think, I, I just think the standards have been set and, and there's guys like Bowers who are leaders and the guys that have left the program that come back are like, hey, man, you know, let's keep this going. Don't let us down. I think everybody there is fully aware of what's at stake and fully aware is, hey, man, there's a new standard of excellence here at Georgia, and you got to do your part. And if you don't, you won't make it. You won't be here. And I think that's why guys leave. A lot of, now, a lot of it is have to do with money. But I think some of these guys get here and they're just like, shit, man, I ain't trying to work this hard. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to work this hard. Well, you heard, you heard with the whole Bear Alexander thing, and you heard oh, that he, there's a he heard footsteps. Well, but no, you also hear that there's a there's a player tribunal. Oh, really? There, yeah, they don't, they don't, they're not kicking them off the team, but they're if you're not about it, yeah, the the team will make sure that you are, and, and if you're not, the team will make sure that you you find yourself a a happy home somewhere else. Yeah, because so, that, that's how it happens. If everybody's not on the same page, you don't win. No, and I mean, but that's awesome. That I I, oh, yeah. I love that even more. That the players are so bought in that they police themselves. Well, I mean, they they just see what it can do for themselves as uh, young men in their career. I'm sorry, I don't care who who you are, and you can disagree with this or not. But if you and I 
both go to Georgia and I don't play on the team and I get my degree and you don't even start. You know, Mark Rich might get in, you know, uh, you know, two, three plays a game or some special teams or whatever, but you're, you know, you're on the team and you leave with a degree, but when you leave, you got a big, giant, fat national championship ring. When you go to an interview wearing that thing, you're already a couple steps ahead of me. <laughs> the connections you make while being in that program and, and the things you're uh, uh, accomplished being a part of that program, and when you leave and you can put on your resume that you are a three-time college football national champion. I see what you did there. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. And it, so any, it's just it's good for your career to, to be involved in a program like that. But you like, got to yeah. pay for that. You, exactly. you pay for that in hard work, dedication. You pay for that. Yeah, and some guys just aren't willing to put in the work. Some guys want to be like Johnny Menzel's and – you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw any spoilers out, but when you watch that, you're gonna be like, "Fuck, wow!" Because uh, some guys just don't want to put in the work. You know, they don't want to watch film. They they just want to rely on their raw talent, and they want to sit around and and no offense to anybody out there, they want to sit around and play PlayStation and just chill, and then show up on Saturday and play and go off that raw talent. And the rest of these guys are like, "Hey, man, we're up at the top of the mountain now. We we, we gotta be on it all day, every day." We got to be disciplined. That's like that Alabama game. They all went out and started running after that SEC championship game to improve their stamina. They did it this last year too. So you got to be all ball. It's it's it, and if you're not all in, they're gonna smell you real quick. They're gonna pick up on your scent real quick and be like, "Oh, we we got a weak one here," and you're gonna get rooted out. But they're either gonna bring you up or push out. <clears throat> yeah. So again, uh, we've got high hopes for the Falcons astronomical hopes for the dogs that they can three-peat. But we got high hopes for our Braves, too. Just a little bit. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, winners of eight of the last ten, we pretty much, uh, you know, staked our claim on the state of New York. But more importantly, this weekend has been Alumni Weekend, and it is my favorite weekend of the year. I, uh, it's not a tradition that I go down there, but I have been to a few, and I this one slipped up on me this year, but it's so awesome to go down there. And I even watch the games all weekend because in the booth all night, it's just a cavalcade. Like uh, Rico Cardi's been up there. Of course, Dale's been up there. Uh, Steve Avery was up there. Javi Lopez was up in the booth this weekend, and the dude looks like he's 25. Javi hasn't aged a day. Not a single day. It's ridiculous. Uh, Glenn Hubbard came up in the booth. Uh, He just retired. But, man, uh, Sid Bream in the house, Brian Jordan in the house, Andrew Jones, everybody comes out. There's a parade. There's a red carpet, and that is so much fun. And the only guy I hadn't seen yet, and maybe he's just not around or can't make it, hadn't seen the OG number five yet, Bobby Horner. He changed it to 11, but he was the OG number five in Atlanta over there on third base, and then he shifted over to first. But uh, he switched to 11 because it brought him luck in high school. But hadn't seen him yet. But, man, all the stars have been out this weekend. And uh, I want to pull this up real quick if I can, if I can find it, because all these people out here that are just, uh, you know, having a baby every time the Braves drop one or two or, you know, our bullpen has a rough outing, they uh, just completely go off the rails. And I'm probably not going to find it. But it was actually a pretty good uh, post I put up about the Braves' bullpen. And, and uh, all the arms pictured on this uh, little stat that I threw up on Twitter, their ERA is below two. I mean, I don't know. We have 80 wins, and, and uh, people are still complaining. 
So at this point, we're on pace for like 107, 108. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that little skid that everybody was getting so worried about. They're like, even if the Braves just play ni- uh, 500 ball, they win 97 games. I brought it up last week. I, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on it long. It just, I mean, I can't make it make sense into my head how we're sitting in the first team at 80 wins. We were the first team at 70 wins. Oh, by the way, we just came one of only five teams in the history of MLB to win 11,000 games. And people are still complaining. Mm-hmm. We just don't have enough to win the World Series this year. We, we just uh, we still have a problem in left field, and I don't know if it, anybody's been seeing what's been going on with those guys lately. But, hey, man, everything is fine in left field with Eddie and, and Marcel and those guys. And Sean Murphy's having an amazing year. Matt Olson's going to get snubbed only because uh, Ronald Acuna is a super freak. It's the greatest. We have, we have two MVP candidates on our team. It don't happen very often in a season where you have two guys that could legitimately be the MVP. I heard a conversation about why Ronnie would get the MVP. They're like, we've seen what Matt Olson's doing before. We have not seen what Ronnie's doing. Yeah. And it, that's, man, he he's setting himself apart, man, for sure. Best player in baseball all around this year. Let's not take away from that. Jerk out in California, though. I'm not nope. going to mention his name, but he is having a fine season. But he's dead to me. But Ronald Acuna, by far, best player in all of baseball this year. The MVP award is his, providing – unless he – that's me knocking on wood. Unless something happens and he gets injured, uh, it's, it's I, I his. I don't know why you would It's his to lose. I know, I know. I probably just jinxed him. Uh, but, again, it just the, – the alumni weekend for me just brings back so many memories – and uh, there's always that one player you see in the booth or in the parade or on, in the dugout or on the sideline where you go, oh, my, yeah, I forgot about that guy. He played, yeah, he was here. So it's just, man, and I, I already went ahead and said it the other night, uh, talking to my buddies Reeves and Carter. I, I, I went ahead and threw it out there, and yes, without a doubt, and yes, I'm talking about the 95 team as well. This is the best Braves team I've ever seen. Ever. Oh, yeah. This is the best. And I know we've said it. Uh, Glenn Hubbard was up in the booth saying he was talking to Kevin Seitzer. And he was like, man, I call Seitz every year before the season. And he always goes, man, Glenn, this is the best group I've ever had. And he's like, the next season, he goes, this is the best group I've ever had. But this literally is from 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 stem to stern. I mean, the, everything. This is for me in my entire life. And I've watched a lot of baseball and I've been around Atlanta a long time. This is the best Braves team I've ever seen get out there and do it and I, uh, I I I don't know why my confidence is so big for this and not Georgia three-peating but I think Georgia or the Braves have one of those teams where yes we're the best team in baseball yes we have the best record in baseball but I don't think that's going to bite us this year I just don't think this team can be denied I don't think they can be stopped and this and I can't remember the Yankees pitcher that just said it but he's like man I I played Texas I played Houston I played the LA Angels this year and he's like the the Braves or just on another level of anybody else. He's like, there's Atlanta, and then there's everybody else. He's like, I don't think there's a team that can beat them out there right now, head-to-head in a series. He's like, I just don't think that. And I'm I'm prone to believe it, man. I just – it's like night after night, there's a different hero. And, and night after night, even Smoltz was in the booth with Glavin and these guys over the weekend, and he's like, there's no holes in this lineup from one to nine. There's no holes. He's like, show me a hole where you can take advantage of this Atlanta Braves team. It's like, you can't do it. He's like, you think, you know, oh, I got the nine spot coming up, but no, it's fucking Michael Harris, who, by the way, in the fourth inning was a home run away from the cycle in the fourth inning 
the other night. I texted you. You were at the Falcons game. I was like, this is insane. So I just think Fourth they're inning. that. I just think they're that good. I, I don't foresee a slump. I don't. You know, I just don't, man. I, they always find a way to get it done, and these guys are just stroking the ball, man. Everybody's hitting. I know we're not. You know, you look down the lineup at averages, but. I'm sorry, man. There's just two or three guys that, that carry the team for a few days and maybe they cool off and then the next three guys and the pitching, what we've been able to do. I don't know. have a timetable on Kyle Wright yet, uh, but I know he's going to be back. And I know so, they're talking – oh, my God, the idiots out there are talking about Bryce Elder's not going to make the postseason roster, and I can't even imagine why they would even think that. Of course he's going to be on there. He's been a workhorse this year. And, look, Charlie the other night takes the mound and strikes out 10. I'm just – and, and this is another thing these people don't seem to realize. They're talking about how everyone's tired and this and that. And I'm like, well, it's a long season. I was like, but playoffs are different. Also, it's a long season for everybody. Yeah. The, the other teams are playing 162 games as well. But the playoffs are just different, man. You get the juices going again. You get revitalized. It's like, like new season. <laughs> yeah, and I just – I think the Braves have one of those teams – where I, I used to, you know, all year I've been going, ah, oh, well, you know, with a team with the best record doesn't always, ah, you know, it's statistically speaking. I just think they can't be denied. I think we go all the way to the World Series, and it's going to be Houston or Texas. And I think we're going to get an all-Texas ALCS. I'm pretty sure that's going to go down. So I'm saying Braves, and then we play the Rangers or the Astros to win it all. Boy, I sure would love to, to stick it to our old pal Dusty Baker again and Snit's son. But beating the Rangers, it'd be cool for a Rangers World Series because, uh, you know, Wash has some skin in that game because he was the GM out or not the GM, the head coach out there for a while. So that would be kind of be neat to uh, see that matchup. But I'm, uh, I don't normally do it, but I just think the Braves are going to do it. I really think we're going to win the World Series this year off of just grit from the starting pitching, the finest offensive season the Braves have ever had. And uh, that, that, that's a stingy bullpen. I just think we're primed and ready. And, and, and it's not even about talent. I just think there is some sort of whatever this year, that chemistry, that sweet braised magic I talk about, this is just a big old special batch of it. And I just think, uh, I just think we got this. That's, that's, my, that's my official take. You heard it here Sunday, August 20th. And we're, it's a little after. Uh, it's almost 4 o'clock. But, yeah, Braves are going all the way. I'm, I'm calling it now. I feel good about it. Uh, we're winding down the season. Well, we got about 40 games left, I think, uh, around about, uh, about the, well, the month of September. So, yeah, a little less than 40. But And then it's into the playoffs. And uh, I just don't think there's anybody. Or I think we got the, the Dodgers. I'm not worried about them. I don't care about who's going to win the Central because they're, they're weak. They're streaking right now, though. The, they have won 11 or 12 in a row. 17 out of 19. Yeah, uh, but that's fine. Yeah, Let no, I'm cool. Because guess what? You're gonna have to. You can't keep. You can't sustain that all the way through September and into the playoffs. You can't do it. Yeah, I don't know how many teams have gone on a tear like that for more than two months. Braves did it for June, and then they fell off a little in July. I ain't worried about the Dodgers. Screw those guys. Nope. Love to play them though. I think we will see them. I think we will see them, and uh, it'll be fun to stick it to them again because we're just a better team than they are. And we have better pitching. We have more depth. We got it all around. And, uh, man, I'm just digging it, man. It's an exciting time, but also a little bit of a depressing time. We've only got, I don't know, maybe 30-something days of summer left. Uh, summer officially ends, I think, if I'm not mistaken, on September 22nd every year. 
And the Farmer's Almanac today said we're going to have an especially cold winter here in Georgia, which I kind of am like, well, yeah, finally. Like, can we just have a, a season? Can it just be cold? Can I not wake up on Monday and have to wear my coat to work, but Friday it's 80? Yeah, I can't stand <clears throat> the roller coaster that is anything that's not super hot summer. I would like to see a good snow this year. It's been several years since we had a good snow. I'd like I'd like to get snowed in and have to miss a day of work this year if, uh, and, and take the dog out in the snow if, uh, if I'm being honest, but I don't know if we'll get it. But I tell you what we might get, man. We might get another Braves World Series. Actually, I said we are going to get another Braves World Series, and it sure looks like we're making a strong case to get another national title. And the Falcons, I think, are going to uh, surprise a lot of people. I think we're going to step up and knock some people in the mouth. Uh, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say we're the favorites to win the South because the South is a freaking train wreck. <laughs> but I'll let you know by about game four or game five. But the one thing I want to let you know about is make sure you tune in. Well, always listen to us. But 46 is going to be a good one, man. This is 40, episode 45 today, man. We're on a march to 50. I don't. I didn't know if I, I wasn't sure if we'd ever get to fifty episodes. But next Friday, Will McFadden is here. I will not be here, but we'll get the commissioner set up with a phone number and, and the Bluetooth, and he's going to come down here on Friday night and he's going to talk Falcons football with Will McFadden from the uh, Believe Falcons podcast, formerly of the Falcoholic. He just interviewed Arthur Smith, so I'm sure uh, Mark's got a bunch of questions about that. But basically, they're going to be talking about the season. They're going to be talking about expectations and. And what they see from that Steelers game on Thursday night, some good friends of ours got box seats down there. That'd be pretty cool to slide in, but I got to work at public, so I can't go. But until then, Atlanta, it's been fun shooting it around with the commission on a Sunday afternoon, but uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to go do something cool with his son because they do something cool every Sunday. And I'm going to go home and do some yard work. But until next time, Atlanta, we love you. We need you. And we're out. Do you believe? Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Kohler Smart Toilets introduce a new standard of design and cleanliness, sculptural forms, intuitive technology, and total personalization with integrated warm water cleansing, heated seats, and warm air dryers. For peace of mind and convenience, there are touchless lids, seats, flush, and a self-sanitizing bidet wand. Now you can even use voice commands with Numi 2.0, featuring built-in Amazon Alexa. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash smart toilets and discover what you've been missing. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... 
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.